previously on Get Your Life Back. Finally, a solution you can count on. Get your life back with Double Up. You want to do some dishes? Gerne beantworte dich jede deine Frage auf Deutsch. This is just what I need right now. Excel? Microsoft Excel? Sie spielen Sportarten wie ein kleines Mädchen. So, uh, you don't know why he's speaking German? You want the short answer? Sure. Science. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah hello? You know that sales report, oh, yes, sir. Yeah. I was actually hoping to work on that right now. Yeah, you're a true team player. Yeah. Keep up uh, the good work. Okay. Okay, thank you. So, what about the unexplained violence? Well, we can't really call it unexplained, can we? I mean, you did tell him he played sports like a little girl. All right. Your clone's now equipped with a brand new Canadian accent. Oh, that's great. <sighs> At least something's going right today. Oh. Hey, Robbie. Yeah, hey, babe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the dishwasher. Yeah, it's almost done. I've just got one small thing to do before I get back to it. Waiting for like a yeah. week and a okay, half. Okay, I, I love you. Okay, talk to you All soon. All right, bye. Hey, clone, get over here. So, you speak English now? Yes. Okay, great. Listen, I gotta get this dishwasher fixed before my wife kills me. You're gonna do my business report due tonight. You can handle Excel, right? M Microsoft Excel? Don't you have robots to do that for you? I'll do, I'll do anything but Excel. Please, just anything. All right, calm down. So no Excel? No Excel. No Excel. Can, can you like fold some laundry or something? I'm also terrified of folding laundry. Edmondson from OneChurch.tv here. So glad that you chose to hang out with us today for week three of our Get Your Life Back series. Uh, if this is your first time here at OneChurch.tv, so glad you're hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for watching this Facebook Live or on uh, uh, our app. So glad if you're in the room. I'm so glad that you're here. This series really is all about we want to help you get your life back. Uh, we want to be able to give you tools so that 2018 looks a lot different than 2017. Because here's the reality. If you don't make some changes in your life, then 2018 is just going to be same old, same old of what you've done for 2017. This series is all about managing your time, your resources, and your energy. And uh, we're so glad. The overarching theme of this series is simply this. Decide how you will spend your life before others decide for you. Decide how you're going to spend your life and the task. Uh, we, it's the beginning of a new year. Uh, and if you're not careful, all of the things that you chose to, uh, for your goals and your missions and your New Year's resolutions, they're going to get sidetracked and they're going to get sabotaged because life happens. So that's what we're talking about in this series. Uh, the reason why that managing your time, energy, and your priorities better is so very important is if you don't decide how you're
you're going to spend this year, other people, they're going to decide for you because time management is actually life management. Week one, we simply looked at this whole idea and it was simply this, that you need to abandon balance and you need to embrace passion. Abandon balance, embrace passion. Instead of trying to balance everything, why not just choose to do a few things and do them well? Throw your heart into them and pursue them with passion. Now, at the very end of this series, we're going to give you uh, some practical application on what to say no to because, honestly, you can't say yes to everything, which means we're going to give you some, like, how do you say no Southern style because we're in the South, right, and everybody's like, they're kind of nice in the South, so we're going to give you some tips on how you can be say no nicely, and that comes on our last week. So abandon balance, embrace passion. John Wesley said it this way, set yourself on fire with passion, and the world will come for miles to watch you burn. The people I would suggest who have made the biggest influence in your life, they're not balanced people. They're passionate people. They were passionate about you. They were passionate about you when everybody else was kind of lackadaisical. They leaned in heavy to you. They loved you well. Uh, and maybe when your parents were distracted, uh, an adult leaned into your life. It may have been a coach. It may have been a teacher. So we're encouraging you, if you really want to make history, either big history or make somebody else's history, you need to abandon balance, embrace passion. That was week one. Week two, this was last week. I got a lot of emails from you guys this last week because this was kind of all up in our grill. The whole idea was, you know what, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. And we keep on saying that we don't have enough time for that. I don't have enough time to work out. I don't have enough time to read my Bible. I don't have enough time to come to church. I don't have enough time, whatever it is. And really what we looked at is that, honestly, that's a lie. You have the same amount of time as everybody else. Stop saying that you don't have the time and start admitting that you didn't make the time because all of us, we get the same amount of time in our day. I mean, all of us get 24 hours, right? We get 24 equal hours a day. So when you're like, I don't have the time, I don't have the time, that's actually not true. You have the same amount of time that the most productive person who lives right now, same amount of time, 24 hours. You have the same amount of time as the person who seems to get away way more done in their schedule than you do uh, when you're binge-watching Netflix. They get the same amount of time as you do. And I think we have to start making progress. That means you have to stop making excuses. And the I don't have the time is just one big nasty excuse. It's a lie that you're telling yourself. So that was last week. Now, today... Today, we're going to be talking about time, but we're going to be doing it a little bit differently. We're going to be looking at it this way, that you get 24 equal hours in a day, but not all hours feel equal. You get 24 equal hours a day, but not all hours feel equal. Not all the hours feel the same. Let me put it simply this way. Nobody is at their best all day long, Right? You're going to have some lulls. You're going to have some dips in your energy level. You're going to have some time just like, wow, I'm just struggling and you're yawning. That's how it is with me. When I start yawning, I can tell you that's a dip in my day. And I need to start doing some things differently to get out of that dip. You're not at your best 24 hours. You're simply not. There, you're going to have periods of time in your day when you're feeling great and you're on a high. And you're going to have feeling like you're on top of everything. You're creative. Your mind is sharp. 
And then other times, you're going to have days and hours in your day where you just feel like it's dragging along, right? And you're just dragging your knuckles. In our culture, we say it like this. There are morning people and there are night owls. That's exactly right. So I want to do a quick poll for those of you watching at home. How many of you are morning people? Let me hear you. Morning people? All right. How many of you are night owls? I mean, you just come alive. That's right. Justin Tucker, our worship pastor, he is a night owl. How many of y'all, you're just too tired to even raise your hands or let me know right now, right? It's just like, ah. Oh. So it's too early in the morning, right? So I want to talk a little bit about there. You know that you are not a morning person when you break your phone screen trying to hit it on snooze. Uh, I know a person on our staff that that's actually happened. I'm not going to mention any names, uh, but her name is Katie Matthews. So um, there are some people that you just like hitting the snooze button. You're just not morning people. I get that. I'll tell you, I did not used to be a morning person. Uh, I was a night owl, and I kind of stayed up all night, uh, especially college students. Some of you, you may not know if you're a night owl or uh, uh, a morning person yet because you're a kid, and you're, you have to kind of get up when your parents tell you to get up. But when you get in your 20s, you get in your 30s, you kind of understand. You start getting in this rhythm. So do you wake up like this? Does that look like you? Probably people you work with or maybe you know, they're the, like that grumpy cat. Or maybe uh, you wake up like this. Look at this guy. If so, this Proverbs is for you. And this is Proverbs 27, 14. A loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. Isn't that cool? That's a great Bible verse for you who are not morning people to memorize, right? Don't be cursing at people by yelling at them loudly. I love this. Somebody should tell Sierra to memorize that verse. Just saying. So uh, what that means is that from day to day, people like it, you start getting into these energy crisis. And maybe you're a good night's sleep, and if you've got a good night's sleep, and one of the healthiest things you can do is figure out your energy and get a good night's sleep. But you start to fade. You're starting to wane a little bit, and it just gets a little bit harder. Even though you get 24 equal hours, not all hours feel the same. They just don't. That's just the reality. And if you start paying attention to this, you're going to see the patterns again and again and again. Maybe every day after lunch, you start getting tired and you start yawning and it starts to dip a little bit. Maybe every day after dinner, you get tired. Uh, maybe for you, you're no good after 8 o'clock in the evening. Or maybe it's 11 o'clock. Not all hours tend to feel the same. You need to pay attention to that and even leverage that if you want to figure out how to get your life back. Don't just think about the time. Think about what you do for a moment. Think about what you do. Think about how you will typically spend uh, this next week or maybe how you spent this last week of everything that you do in your life, your relationships, your work, just the things that you do to fill your time. What are you truly best at? So let me give you two questions to narrow the focus. What are you truly best at? Number one, of everything that you do, what are you truly best at? You begin to realize, wow, I'm only good at a few things. That's what I've realized. I'm 46 years old, and I used to thought I was great at everything, and I was also very humble, thank you very much. But now I realize I'm only good at a few certain things. We all have talents. 
We're all good at something. And maybe you're not even a Christ follower. Maybe you're not even a Christian. We, I want to let you know that you are a ten at something. I believe that God has created us. God has a plan for us. And you're good at something. So I want to ask you that question. What are you good at? Maybe it's communication skills. That's kind of one of the things I feel like I'm halfway good at. Or maybe you're amazing with organization and budgeting. Not my forte, by the way. Maybe you're good with communication skills with just people and hanging out with people. Uh, uh, maybe at home, you're the person who keeps all the files, keeps all the records, and then manages the finances very, very well. Uh, maybe you're that person. Again, God bless you, uh, because again, that's not me. Uh, you'll see some repeating themes in your life, and those are clues at what you're best at. Some of you are amazing at hospitality. I've been to your house and you just make people feel welcome and you just embrace people. And man, that is great. I've, that's what you're good at. Others of you, it's spreadsheets and Excel in uh, accounting. Again, not my forte at all, but praise God for you guys. I mean, we have a group of people who work on our finances and our team here at OneChurch.tv. I think it was last year we were nominated uh, to be one of the best businesses here in Clarksville, and I'm so great for that. That happens not because I'm good at finances or budgeting or administration. I'm just not. But we have other people who, are, man, that is their, that's their fascist debt. That's their number 10. But it's not me. Figure out what you're good at doing. Another thing I'm really, I, I, I really enjoy is, is creative design and doing graphics. I do a lot of our graphics here at OneChurch.tv, and I just love that. Uh, I love writing new sermons. I think those things that repeat in your life are signs of how God has gifted you whatever that looks like for you. And if, if I were to put uh, uh, 10 of us in a circle and had the conversation, we might all have 10 different things that we're good at. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. Some of you, again, you're amazing musicians. Our worship pastor, Justin, man, he loves music and he leans heavy into that and he's good. Some of you are your creative thinkers. Uh, and again, number, another person on our staff, Miranda Byer, very creative thinker on that. Uh, others of you, uh, spreadsheet people. I know like Kevin Porter, he's good at stuff like that. Uh, our previous small groups pastor, Patrick Fowler, he did everything in Excel. I, I hate Excel. I don't understand it. I don't even want to ever touch that program. If I could delete it from my computer, I would. I'm just not good at it. And then number two is what do you dislike? So the two questions that narrow the focus, what do you enjoy doing, what do you enjoy doing, and what do you really dislike doing the most? Because there's some stuff that you love, there's also some stuff that you hate doing. Maybe you hate spreadsheets. Maybe you hate taking out the trash. Maybe you hate changing diapers. Uh, maybe you hate meetings. Maybe you hate long-term planning. Is that stuff that you really, as far as it depends upon you, you would never do. But because we got jobs and stuff, sometimes we have to do stuff we don't like to do. If you're in school, maybe you're in high school, um, maybe you're in college, there's some subjects that you love, and then there's subjects that you just really dislike, but you have to take them. So they're prerequisites. If your mind is going exactly what it is, I'm encouraging you, small group questions. Uh, you can actually go on our app right now, you can download the PDF, but this is a way that we want to help you figure out what you're good at, because you're good at something, you are. Figure out what you're doing. So again, what we call that is gifting, but it's just, it's really, it's just kind of what you're good at. But here's the problem. Most people cheat their gift. You cheat your gift when you give your leftover 
time and energy to that. If you think about what you're great at, if it happens to be organization or administration or budgets or spreadsheets, you could probably do it quicker than anybody else, a whole lot quicker than I could. And because you can do it quicker, you just like, well, I'll just wait and I'll just wait. And you're good at it, but you give it your leftovers. Maybe for you, it's, it's uh, working on a car. Um, I got a lot of good friends who are great at working on car. Andrew, uh, who goes to OneChurch.tv, he is great. He actually, actually has his own car shop. Uh, it, it would take him 20 minutes to change the oil. It would take me two hours, and my car probably wouldn't run, right? I, I'm just not that great at it. And because you may be good at something, you would say, you know what, I'll just give that my leftover. For me, again, I like being creative and, and working on sermons and the graphics for that. And because I'm kind of halfway good at that, sometimes I can be tempted to say, I just won't prepare for a message this week. Just to let you know, this message that I'm preaching to you today, I actually wrote this message three months ago. I'd plan on everything, but I probably could just say, you know what, I know enough. I just won't do it. I won't prepare until the night before. It'll be a Saturday night special. Let me tell you the reason why I don't do that. Because number one, I'd be cheating my gift. But I also believe what God's word says. This is in James chapter 3 verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. I believe that verse. And it's the reason why I don't do things last minute. When it comes to my, this responsibility I feel like God's called me to do, I just don't do it because I'm kind of scared of what may happen. Uh, and I don't want to cheat my gift. So use your gift. And here's the thing. By using your gift, something you're a 10 at, if you cheat it, you'll use it, but you'll never develop it. You'll never get good at it. It's like a person who's good at an instrument, but if you never spend time in the practice room, won't ever develop it. If it's a gift, if it's a talent, I believe that God has given us each a special, unique abilities, all of us. And our job is to be good stewards and develop them. If you're a musician, play to the glory of God. If you like cooking, cook to the glory of God. If you love accounts and spreadsheets, account and spreadsheet it to the glory of God. Whether you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give your gift, the leftovers. Last week in this series, we're going to see how Moses was giving his leftovers. He was really good at a couple of things, but he decided, you know what, I'm going to try to be good at everything. And he started giving his passion, the leftovers, and it was waning and it was hurting him and it was hurting the nation of Israel. But that's week five of this. Now, let's get into God's word. Let's see how Jesus, how he managed his time and managed his energy. Turn with me to Mark chapter one. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up. Now, there's a clue right there. That tells you something about Jesus, that he got up before daybreak. Now, in the Middle East, a little bit closer to the equator, we can probably assume that this was probably around 4 or 5 a.m. It was certainly before 6 or 7 when the sun would rise. So he got up early. That was really early in their culture, and it's really early in our culture, right? So Jesus, he is getting up before daybreak, and when you read the four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see this pattern over and over again that Jesus would get up early. Now, continue. Before daybreak in the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. 
We have a problem with distraction in our culture, mainly because of our phones and our smartphones. But it was a problem in Jesus' culture, as we'll see, because he was always being pursued. Everybody was always wanting a piece of Jesus. Hey, can you do this? And can you heal me? And can you heal my, my aunt's bunion? And by the way, I'm hungry. Can you feed me and multiply bread? And you know what? I think I'm, uh, I got a bunch of water, and I think I'd like to have some wine. Can you do? I mean, he was just getting pulled in all different directions. So he got up early, and he prioritized something. He prayed. He got up early to pray. He's making time to hang out with his heavenly father. He is focused. Before the day begins, he's spending time with God. It's so funny. I got to brag on my wife just for a little bit. Uh, she has been reading the Bible chronologically, and we're actually reading that together. But about four o'clock every morning, uh, while I am drooling on my pillow and sleeping, she is under the covers and she's got her phone, and she's reading the Bible on the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, she wants, before she even, her feet touches the ground, she wants to be in God's Word. And uh, she's making a priority, just like Jesus was. So this is what we see uh, with Jesus' patterns, and hopefully that's a pattern for you as well. Mark 1.36 says, Later Simon, by the way, that's Simon Peter, that's one of his key disciples. We're going to look at him in a few weeks. And the others went out to find him. They didn't know where Jesus went. He just kind of disappeared. When they found him, he said, everyone is looking for you. Now think about this. We have so many assumptions about Jesus. Wouldn't you assume that if you were Jesus and you could heal everyone and that you're the son of God, that you would be available 24-7? I mean, kind of like a healing ATM, but Jesus wasn't available 24-7. Sometimes he would disappear and he had to sleep. One of the mysteries of Jesus the Christians believe is that Jesus is God, that God is coming to us. We call him Emmanuel, God with us. But we also believe that Jesus was, yes, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% human. He was fully divine and fully human. And that means that he had all of the limitations that you and I did. Uh, he got pimples. Uh, he was sleepy. Um, he got sleepy. He was tempted. Uh, that's why his death and resurrection was so meaningful for you and I. And that's why it even says in John chapter 4 that he was tired from the journey and he was thirsty. It's the reason why he asked the woman at the well for something to drink. Um, so he's hungry. He can get tired just like you and I get tired. Uh, think about this. There's a lot of things that Jesus could have done with his time. He could have gone off mission, uh, but he chose not to because he was on one strict mission to seek and to save those who are lost. And that was you and that was me. So now look what happens. So everybody's looking at looking for Jesus. They're wanting a piece of him. And look what he says in Mark 138. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. In other words, we can't stay here forever. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. aren't you Jesus? I mean, aren't you supposed to heal everybody? Uh, I mean, you're not going to heal everybody. You know, Jesus sometimes said no. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will, look at this, these next words, preach to them. Jesus says, it's not all about the healing. I need to communicate. It's about telling, telling other people, telling why I came. Verse 38, but Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. That's his mission. That's his goal. That, that's his his modus operandi. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. 
So Jesus said, my calendar, it's going to be based, my mission will be based, my time allocation will be based on why I came. So we have to move on. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion. It literally means that, that word moved means almost like Jesus doubled over, like he felt this in his stomach. Moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Look at this. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. By the way, Mark, one of his most famous words he uses over and over and over again is instantly and immediately because Mark is all about action. He's talking about the action of Jesus. So this goes to his patterns. We're looking at through a different lens today. Verse 43, then Jesus sent him on his way with this warning. Don't tell anyone about this. That's kind of strange, don't you think? I mean, you would probably want everybody to know he just did an amazing thing. He healed somebody whose life was a wreck and in shambles. I would want to like let everybody know from the from the rooftops. But verse 44 says this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But look at this, the man ignored him. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. I was a leper, and now I'm not. Look what happens. Because of this, Jesus had to change his strategy. Verse 45, as a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Can you imagine being Justin Bieber? Some of you are like, huh, that sounds awful. But think about it. maybe uh, um, Ed Sheeran or I'm trying to think somebody else. What's the people you like, Tuck? Beyonce. You love it. Imagine being Beyonce. So put a ring on it. Oh, oh. Anyway. Imagine if you lived in that sort of pressure cooker of time. Brad Pitt, um, uh, Matt Damon. Some people, you know, they kind of confuse me with Matt Damon because I look so much like him. Imagine if you were those people and everybody's always wanting a piece of your time. Uh, uh, Blake Shelton, maybe Carlos Serrano at Gracie Baja. You can't go anywhere without people stopping you, right? That's exactly what happened to Jesus. People were coming from everywhere. He was a rock star and they wanted to connect with him. So what did Jesus do? What do you need to do? Sometimes you just feel like everybody wants a piece of you. Sometimes it, you, just, you, just need, you just need a break. Everybody wants five more minutes of your time. Everybody wants to get together. Everybody wants your time at work. Everybody wants your input. Everybody wants you. So what do you do? Well, if you know what you're best at, if you don't know how to spend your time ahead of time, you're going to go off mission. You're going to end up just depleted. So I want to share with you for the rest of our time today tips of, that are rooted in scripture of how I think you can maintain and manage your energy levels. Because I believe the best way to leverage your gift, it's our big idea today, and it's going to be on the screen here. Do what you're best at 
when you're at your best. Do what you're best at when you're at your best. So what are you best at? What are you passionate about? What keeps you up at night? What is that one thing that when you were a kid you loved doing? When you were a teenager that you got compliments for? Uh, that you received the promotion for? That's why you were awarded. That's why everyone keeps saying, man, you're so good at that. I'll give you an example just from my life. Um, Man, I'm a people person. I love people. And I used to work in a ministry by Dr. Tony Evans. He's an African-American preacher in Dallas, Texas. And I stalked him until he gave me a job. (laughs) He says, I can either call the police or I can hire you. And I said, let's go for number two, please. So uh, he made me his cassette tape duplicator. All right. Y'all remember cassette tapes? Uh, little things, you know, you put it in and it goes, yeah. Well, I did that. I duplicated his sermons. And um, they put me in a room by myself, very, very small room, uh, probably about uh, uh, five by eight. And I was in there making tapes, making high-speed dubbing is what they called it. And I was by myself, and it was a job, but I'm a people person. I would create excuses to get out of that room so I could interact with people. It just wasn't what I was good at. I had to do it, but man, I love people and interacting with people. So do what you're best at when you're at your best. So if I'm good at people, I need to give my people skills. I don't need to cheat that. I need to figure out where my my high energy time is so that I can invest and pour out into people. Uh, so uh, don't cheat our gift. Do what you're best at when at your best. So uh, I just want to give you encouragement. I want you to chart your energy this week. For all of us, there are a few hours in a day, three to five hour window, that might be your high energy zone. Uh, th- that's when you're awake. That's when you're alert. That's when your mind is clear. That's when you, you know what you're thinking and it is crystal clear. That's when you're sharp. You're not falling asleep. You're not yawning, right? And then there's that low energy zone, <sighs> right? You just start yawning. Excuse me. That actually was a yawn. But you're starting to t- be tired. It's when you start getting frustrated and a little bit cranky, a little grouchy. And then you have a mid-energy zone. And it's not like the bottom of the barrel, but you're kind of, uh, you're mid-level. It's starting to wane a little bit. And I want to show you my patterns today. Now, don't mimic what I'm telling you to do because these are my patterns. You're not me. You need to figure out what your patterns are. And you need to plan what you're good at when you're at your best. So these are my patterns. It'll be on the screen. High energy zone, 6 to 10 a.m. I usually get here at one church. I usually get here at about 7 o'clock in the morning. And I love working early. There's nobody here, so there's no interruptions. And I can write. I can do a lot of my creative thinking. Uh, Low energy zone for me is 2 to 4 and 9 to 10. Two to four, I'm yawning my head off. Nine to 10, put a fork in me because I'm done. My head hits the pillow at nine o'clock and nine on one, I'm a storm, right? Ask my wife. Here's my mid-energy zone. 11 to two, 11 in the morning to two in the afternoon, and then from five to eight. Uh, Tuck and I, he's helping me shoot this video today. Yesterday, uh, he was in my office and we were talking and you remember this, Tuck? It hit 11 o'clock and what did I start doing? Started yawning. Was yawning. It wasn't because Tuck was that boring. I mean, but it's just because I was 
I was doing a mid-energy zone. It was just, I wasn't, I wasn't at my best. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your most energizing task. There's stuff that you like, yeah, I can't wait to do this. And I'm going to again share with you my tasks that I do. It's not going to be yours. You need to figure that out yourself. But step two, I want you to rank your task. Most energizing task. Here's my most energizing. Number one, writing series and messages. I love doing stuff like that. Number two, uh, creative graphic design. I love getting on Photoshop and just working on stuff like that. Th uh, three is collecting resources. I'm a hoarder of resources. So I will go on a thousand different websites and uh, I listen to 40 different podcasts just to be able to assemble resources. And number four, work on long range planning. Those are the four things that are my most energizing task. Now, again, for you, if you're a stay-at-home parent, a parent, then maybe your favorite part of your day is like craft time with your kids or connecting with other moms or dads. Maybe your favorite part is your love to cook and you just love cooking. Um, you have a nine-to-five job during the day and you have to be told what you do, but when you get home, it's like, woohoo! Uh, maybe you're at a manufacturing firm and you don't have a lot of creativity, but when you get off, you're like, I just like going to the garage and tinkering with the Jeep or whatever that looks like. Okay. Okay, that's your energizing task. Now, I want you to make a list of your least energizing tasks. Again, here's mine. Figure out what yours are. Number one, administration. Shoot me, right? Not a fan of administration. Now, I'm in ministry. I have to do administration sometimes, but not on my top 10. So not even on my top 20. Email, answering email. I usually probably get about 150 emails a day. And uh, sometimes I just want to scream. So email can sometimes be frustrating. Three, doing numbers. Uh, I, I stink at math and numbers. So doing spreadsheets and budgeting and all that stuff. Eh. And just routine meetings that don't seem to go anywhere. I, I struggle with those. So those are my least uh, energizing tasks. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take step three. We're going to take my time and energy and those tasks and we're going to put them together. Sink your time and energy. Here's the principle behind this. Sink your time and energy to do what you're best at when you're at your best. So what are you best at? When are you at your best? Are you a morning person or an evening person? Maybe your peak hours are 10 till 2 at night. Great. Or 10 at night till 2 in the morning. Great. Maybe you're an afternoon person. That's awesome. You're hitting on all cylinders at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe that 9 o'clock at night till midnight is your best zone. That's when you're creative. Uh, then figure out if that's your time, great. Then do what you're best at when you're at your best. So here's what I do. And this is just how I kind of work up this. You'll see that 6 to 10 in the morning, I'm at my best. So I do all of my creative writing. I don't answer emails from 6 to 10 because I don't enjoy that. And I can do that some other time, right? I, I do graphic design stuff in the morning because I'm sharp, I'm clear. My writing and communication, so I'm not going to cheat my gift there. For me, uh, Sunday morning is a big deal for me, so I'm not out late at night on Saturday night. I cut my, my day short on Saturday so that I can be at my best on Sunday morning because, again, I believe God has a life-changing message that he's given me that I want to communicate that to folks. Um, so sync, figure out where you're low, mid, high, and then sync some of those tasks you like doing or you don't like doing. And uh, again, uh, up on the screen, you can kind of see exactly how I've done mine. Do what you're best at when you're at your best. And here's what happens if you do that. 
your energy level will actually go up. Your passion level will go up. Uh, you will get better at doing things you want to do because you're not just cheating your gift. You're actually developing it. You'll find more joy in your life doing what you're best at when you're at your best. Now, next week, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about how to cut some things out of our lives. We're going to be talking about time management and priorities because, honestly, you can't say yes to everything, right? So we're going to show you how to do that with your priorities. And then week, uh, uh, the last week of this series, we're going to be looking at the life of Moses and we're going to dig into that. Uh, so I hope you guys come back. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I know this has been kind of a little bit different because it's kind of mano e mano. But thanks for hanging out with us at onechurch.tv. Uh, again, we'd encourage you to give. Make sure to go uh, on our app and you can give that way. Or you can do the text to give, 844-899-7711. And you can text your amount to give. We're looking forward to seeing you back next week for week four of Get Your Life Back. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for this time today. Lord, you've gifted everyone who's listening to this message with something. You've made them great at something. And for a lot of us, we don't even know what our gifting is. We don't even know what we're good at. Maybe we've only used it, but we've really never developed it. Help us to become the people who do what we're best at when we're at our best. Thank you for the example and the life of Jesus. Thank you that not only he came to love us and to save us from our sins, but he, he left you and left me a record of how he spent his time. And we can learn from that and we can grow from that, God. And we can move into the purpose that all of us, Lord, you've given us purpose in this life more confidently and with greater strides. So God, I just pray for everybody who feels overwhelmed. Lord, I pray that when we begin to see the fog lifting, and the clouds clearing. Help us to do, know what to do with what you showed us to do, with each other, with our work, and let's do it all with passion. Help us to stop making excuses and start making progress. Give us the wisdom and the insight to reflect on when we're at our best and what we do best and what we do that at that time, God. I pray that we would all do it for your glory. May everyone today, everyone listening, everyone hearing, everyone watching, everyone in the room know that there is a God who loves them, a God who cares for them, a God who died for them, a God who rose again. His name is Jesus Christ, and it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next week for week four of Get Your Life Back.